Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Reborn Football Podcast. Um, I'm Tanere Tans. And I'm Fuego. Uh, today, as usual, we're going to get into our verse of the episode first before diving into the football content. So, The verse of the episode today is Matthew 7, verse 3, well, verses 3 to 5. And it says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? but not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, the plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So the biblical story that um, that we're referring this verse or these verses to today is the story of David. So I think this is our second time referring to David. And it is a story of when David um, committed his, was was at his lowest, committed his worst sin, at least his worst documented sin in the Bible, when he um, he lost it after Bathsheba. And um, he ordered, he basically arranged uh, the death of her husband so that he could have her. And yeah, so that was, yeah, that was, that was not, that was not one of David's brightest moments, but you know, Nathan, the prophet at the time, the, yeah, the kind of national prophet, if you will, at the time came up to, um, to David and basically he actually tricked him. He reported, um, a guy who basically, you know, took advantage of a lower person. Obviously Uriah was, um, Uriah Bathsheba's husband was lower than David at the time. So took advantage of someone who didn't have the strength, you know, to fight back. Because obviously, basically, David said, oh, Uriah, um, go fight in the front lines. He told Job, which was the commander of his army, to tell Uriah to fight at the front lines. And obviously, Uriah was loyal to David. Mm-hmm. So he did it. And that was David taking advantage of Uriah's loyalty to him. So basically, Nathan was like, oh, yeah, there's this guy that, you know, took advantage of someone and did something, you know, did something really horrible, et cetera, et cetera. And then David rose up in anger and was like, oh, now this person, yeah, we got to kill this person. You know, this person needs to be, you know, castrated, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And then David and then Nathan, sorry, Nathan, sorry, now turned around and said, that's you. You know, and it's a little bit of a funny story because, you know, he, David was rising up in anger, you know, not even thinking about his own, you know, his about his own wrongdoings. And then he got humbled in, you know, quite a, quite a humorous way, you know. So it's just, it's just, you know, the moral of this is just to always look at yourself, you know, before looking at others, before judging others, you know. Of course, you're allowed to judge righteously, but even when you judge righteously, you know, you have to look at yourself first, you know, people are always talking about what other people are doing, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not like we're not allowed to help you to help each other, you know, to move along on the right path. But if you're doing it in a way that is harmful, you know, if you're doing it in a way to condemn people, but yet you're also a sinner, you know, that, that means you're not looking at the speck in your own eye. So, you know, look after yourself first, you know, try and be better first. And then, you know, grow in conjunction with people trying to get better in your work with Christ. Yeah, I will echo Tans there. Um, you need to look inwards. You need to reflect on yourself and your own actions before you now kind of get to start talking about other people. Um, again, as he said, we're allowed to judge righteously. We're here to kind of help each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. But, you know, 
you also need to be very conscious that you are also a sinner and God shows you mercy. So who are you to kind of condemn someone for something that they've done? Um, one other thing that I would point out about that story is from there, David's reaction kind of um, saved him in a, in a sense. So obviously David had committed a grave sin and he was going to be punished for it. So every action has a consequence. Um, and this story shows us that. So Nathan basically outlined the curse that God had placed on David for what he had done. And David was very remorseful, you know, realized the wrong in his actions and repented profusely. You know, he fasted and all that stuff after he was told that the child that his wife was going to bear uh, was going to die. So there's now a whole story of um, his officials didn't want to tell him that the child was dead and all of that stuff. But he took it with grace. He took his consequence with grace. And then from there you know, God kind of showed him mercy. So I guess that also tells us that, you know, no matter how bad the sin that one has committed, there's always room for mercy if that person is truly repentant and, you know, turns away from that sin. So the same woman who had the child that died was the woman who gave birth to Solomon. And we know the story of Solomon, how he built God's temple and how, um, David's kind of family, David's uh, blood runs through all the way down to Jesus Christ. So even though David was a murderer and had taken a man's wife, he was still basically an ancestor of Jesus Christ. It just goes to show that God shows mercy on those who you know, truly repent. Man, you know, the guy was called, Jesus was called the son of David, you know. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest you know, mercy or grace that God could have showed him in that situation. So we're going to move into the football content now. And this week, we're going to start with the recent PFA Awards, which was, I believe, last Thursday, 27th. I mean, I'm not sure anyway. That, I know it was last week anyway at the time of recording. And the main the main award winners um, were Erling Haaland, who won the PFA Players Player of the Year. Um, Bukayo Saka, who won the PFA Young Player of the Year, Lauren James, who won the PFA Women's Young Player of the Year, and Rachel Daly, who won the PFA Women's Players Player of the Year. Yeah, um, I mean, no real surprises as such in the men's um, awards um, in terms of like nominees. I do, I do remember we had. Saka got a nomination, didn't he? Yeah, for, for, the, for, for the, the men's se- award. For the senior award, it was um, it was Haaland, Rodri. I'm not sure. Rodri actually, no, no, not Rodri. It was Haaland, um, Odegaard, Saka, yeah, Kane, um, did Stones not Stones and KDB? Yeah. KDB, yeah. Th- okay. Those were the six yeah. for yeah. players, player. And then for young player, um, Saka, Haaland, um, Martinelli. Yeah. Did Saliba not get one? I think so. I'm just looking up the PFA now because I know they did post up their nominees and all that. And then Evan Ferguson, yeah, Evan Ferguson yeah. got one. Um, he's had a, he's had a very he had a very good last season. I think. Um, what was it? Brighton just had like a hat trick at the weekend for Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. But even just last season, because Hattrick just goes to show that he he is quality. So it's not just a thing of oh, he had a decent kind of run of form when he got the minutes because someone was injured. 
You know that type of way. Price tag's going to be crazy next summer, man. Yeah. Okay, I've seen the Young Player of the Year nominees, Caicedo, Ferguson, Haaland, Saka, Martinelli, and I think that's Aaron Ramsey. Jacob Ramsey? (laughs) No. Jacob Ramsey. Jacob Sorry. Ramsey, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know why I keep thinking his name is Aaron Ramsey. I think no, he has a brother called Aaron Ramsey. Okay. Yeah, yeah he has a brother called Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. I think he just he just moved as well. He got just had the transfer, the younger brother. Um but yeah, yeah, two brothers. Yeah. So talking about Haaland first, I mean, that's in the past few years, it's probably one of the most nailed on um awards, you know. I mean 36 goals in 35 games last season, broke the non-penalty Premier League record, broke the, broke the overall Premier League record, won Premier League, won the Premier League, won the FA Cup, won the Champions League, won Player of the Year, Premier League Player of the Year, PFA Player of the Year, Football Writers Player of the Year, UEFA Player of the Year. Pretty sure it was the Champions League Player of the Year as well. Um, you know, like he won, he won. Premier League Young Player of the Year. As well, yeah. Champions League Player of the Year was Rodri. Was, was, was Rodri not the man of the match in the final? That's a, that's a story for another day. Rodri yeah. was man of the match in the final and... Champions, Champions League, League Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yes, I mean, that's that's just one he didn't win. And then he obviously didn't win the PFA Young Player of the Year award yeah. as well, which is what a lot of people thought he should have won as well. What's your, t- what's your take on that? Um, I mean, I think he should have won and maybe it's a thing of that might hurt his Ballon d'Or kind of um, ratings as such, but it's not like it wasn't given to a worthy candidate. In my opinion, as we were saying in episode one, that if in a, in a world where Haaland doesn't play in the Premier League, Saka probably wins both of those awards. So Saka, no, like you can't take it away from him. Like obviously Haaland is kind of the, the main character of the show right now because we're like, well, how did he not win young player if he was a young player at the time? Saka didn't have a bad season. Saka had a very good season. Yeah, man. I, I'm not 100% sure if, Haz- if Hazard was eligible in 2015. But I remember Hazard winning the senior award and not winning, and not the, winning the young player of the year yeah. award. I think he was eligible. I'm just going to look that up. It's not the first time. So I, yeah. I'm not sure about the Hazard one. But I do remember. I'm pretty sure um, Gareth Bale won both. Uh, but he won the players like the first yeah the first time and the then first time Wilshire won, won it that, yeah, that year yeah. yeah so the first time he won it um he was underage and he won it as the players player and then the second time he won young player and players player just look just looked it up there and yeah Hazard was eligible in yeah. 2015 and I'm pretty sure he was nominated but Harry Kane won play, young player of the year so the young player of the year won I think it's one where sometimes more personal opinions can come into play because it is a player's voted award. Yeah. You know, so maybe like it takes a lot to win both. I think in the Premier League era, it's only Ronaldo and Bale that won both in the same season. Yes. You know, and even the season, even the season after that, Ronaldo was eligible and had an even better season than the one where he won both. He won, he scored 31 goals, 42 in all competitions, on the Premier League, won the Champions League. And that same year, he won the Ballon d'Or. But Fabregas won Young Player of the Year. Now, not that Fabregas wasn't worthy. Exactly. Pretty sure Fabregas had seven goals, 17 assists in the Premier League that season. But there's just, you know, it takes a lot to actually win yeah. both awards. It, it might not even be a talent thing. It might just be the players voting. Because players are human. Yeah. You know, they have some players they might not like. Can't imagine the defenders like Haaland too much. 
you know uh, so <laughs> you, you you know so it's it's one of them things i think it's another thing another thing there for say for ronaldo right at that point he was established because he's established as one of the like he's he's a wonder kid in the first year where he wins i think he won seven individual awards yeah he won all the available individual awards individual awards that year so he he was a wonder kid he establishes um his craft then by winning all of those awards in the next season you, you just expect it from him. So when he delivers, it's like, yes, it's great because he's only maybe 20 or 21. But at the same time, you now view him as one of just the best players there. I think that's the level at which people like Haaland, people like Mbappe are kind of at that giving them these young player awards when you have players who are literally just entering their 20s. And it's, it's, not, uh, it's not even the age thing though because Haaland is still quite young yeah mm-hmm. but I fully get what you're saying because it's like if you even want to switch it for, to the NBA for a moment yeah I don't think now I might be I might be wrong but even if I'm wrong it's very few like it's very it's not often where a player wins MVP and rookie of the year like yeah. you kind of want to you kind of want to think about the young player of the year award as rookie of the year of course it's not quite because you can't win it back you can't win it back to back it doesn't have to be your first season mm-hmm. but it kind of has that rookie of the year vibe to it where like giving it to a guy like you know Ronaldo in that in that point like you know Haaland it feels they're not it, fresh it, it, it doesn't it doesn't embody the award yeah you yeah. know you know what I'm saying like for to win even even the fact that Bale that Bale winning PFA Young Player of the Year 2013, you probably, maybe there were no outstanding candidates apart from him. That's probably be- what be- happened Because that I won't lie, I'm pretty sure he was already like 23, 24 around that time. You know, even that is a bit questionable. Like the only one where I would say, yeah, he fully deserved it no matter what was Ronaldo. Because Ronaldo, that was his breakout season. Yeah. And his breakout season just happened to be him being the best player in the league. So, you know, it happens. But yeah, so that's Haaland, Saka, um, Lauren James. Another one of no, yeah. Lauren James. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been watching a bit of her. Saw a little bit of her clips of the World Cup. Seen some of her skills, some of her moments during the WSL um, season last season, and then obviously, you know, she did have her big, you know, um, moment of madness at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. But despite that. I mean, she's a talented, talented player. You know, she when she's on the ball, it just looks like she has all the time in the world. In addition to, you know, that talent, the technical skill that she has, she also has, you know, strength, you know, hold players off. I see her. She's young. I'm pretty sure she's younger than Reese James, and Reese yeah, James is 23. She's 21. Yeah, she's 21. So, you know, like, she's young, and she's just, you know, you see her bullying players physically. She's a top quality player, you know. Arguably, arguably already one of the best players in the WSL. Yeah, um, I mean, other than even say with the whole World Cup thing, the fact that she does have age on her side, being still being quite a young player, it's one of those things where she has the talent, she has the skill, and that type of thing just gives her the extra bit of experience. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Where obviously not everything goes your way in football. Sometimes you will get frustrated, and sometimes. You know, it comes to that, but how you react then is is everything in football. So it's just something that I think we see as a rash kind of decision. Generally, not even just us, say us, because we're kind of, we watch football and we understand the type of things that go on. People who don't understand football see that as a rash decision, but we see that as just 
It, it happens like very, very much worth the red card. Like we're not saying it wasn't, but you know, you can understand. But you know, it is a thing with young English players, you know, Beckham back in the day, Rooney as well, you know, having notable um, red Ali. cards at World Cups. Ali, I don't think he, uh, did he get to a World Cup? No, nah, it wasn't a World Cup, but I remember he punched someone in the belly and got, sus- <laughs> got, su- got suspended for Tottenham's last three games. And it was the year Leicester won the league. Uh, you know, but yeah, like it happens. It doesn't take away from her talent, Yeah, you know, and I expect her to be, you know, one of the best players in probably in the entire women's game for years to come. You know, even her brother said that, and I don't know how true this is, but even her brother said that she's better than, you know, some of the players in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I wouldn't be one, want to be the one to make that judgment, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's PFA. It's funny the way that those type of things happen. I think PFA happened last week after we recorded the episode, and there's something else. Um, transfer deadline day. No, oh, we're, yeah. not, we're not going to go into that this week, but maybe we need to switch up our, our recording days. Nah, that's, 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 that's yeah, but cycling. I I won't lie though. This transfer deadline day didn't really it didn't really hit the same as previous because there weren't really and there weren't really any like pending deals that were waiting to happen you know there's always like one big deal Mm -hmm. that's like going into transfer deadline day nothing really that deep like you know like all the major deals of the summer rice bellingham you know mcallister you know caicedo all done done, you know all done before transfer deadline day which is weird the caicedo is the one that shocked me you know i swore caicedo was gonna go um uh, i swore caicedo was gonna go all the way to deadline day like uh, that, 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 I won't lie, that had deadline day written all over it, in my opinion. I mean, it had the potential to, but then you also have to think about how much money are we talking about? Because if we're getting to a bidding of 100 mil two weeks before, like both teams are over 100 mil two weeks before the transfer deadline day, how long is it going to keep going? Like they're not going to keep adding like one mil, one mil, one mil. Because one can, we saw it, we saw it literally that one can outbid the other. Liverpool outbid Chelsea. Okay, so it was never going to Liverpool. So it's just a thing of, you know, every, everything kind of combined tells you how long it's going to take. To be fair, I never expected Liverpool to come in, though. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be Chelsea and Brighton just kind of like, you know, talking and negotiating. And I thought yeah. it was just going to be that. And then Chelsea would just finally, you know, decide to pay on the, like, you know, maybe the second last day or the final day. Liverpool coming in obviously does speed things up. A bit similar to... um. Declan Rice, you know, how Man City yeah. came in, put a bid in, and then it forced, you know, the team who was initially interested to make the move. Make the move. You know, this does raise another interesting point with um Enya Luko, you know, when she said that it perhaps it is a ploy between I don't know, this Liverpool Chelsea one, I don't know if that was Liverpool you know, just like Liverpool therefore just wanted to steal him, but you yeah. know, they were saying that maybe because you know Pep and Arteta knew each other, maybe that was the thing, but I don't know how likely that is, but you know, she is a sports director. So, you know, it's very possible. I mean, it's not out the realms of, you know, rationality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's... That's all we're going to touch on with the transfer window today, though. Yeah. Um. Now we're going to move into uh, the weekends, a bit of the weekend's football. And obviously the, um, the elephant in the room, which was the highly entertaining Arsenal versus United matchup yesterday at the time of recording. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I'm very, very pleased and happy with how that turned out. Although the end, the last like 15 minutes was not good 
for my heart at all, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, the dopamine, the energy I got from that was amazing. You know, like that winner, you know, and then the, the ceiling goal at the end it was just, it was a top quality game overall from minute zero to minute 90, like just encapsulated really like that was like, you know, if you want to ask the Premier League to advertise its product, they would show yesterday's game. Yes, that was really definitely. a top quality game. Yes. Um, fine margins with that uh, Garnacho offside. I won't lie, I thought it was onside when they showed it at first, man. Yeah. You know, but then even like when they were showing the VAR angle, I thought that they were gonna, it was gonna be onside. But then obviously it's red or green. So if it's red, it's offside. Green, yeah. it's it's onside. And I seen the red. I just started screaming and shouting. <laughs> oh, bro, I was, I was so relieved. Oh, but man, obviously, you know, Arsenal United, big rivals. You know, it's a very high pressure game. I've been seeing some of the reactions on, you know, TikTok and that with people like watching with their friends. You know, it's really it's really one of the games, you know, in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I think we, we have that little... Um, it's... How do I explain it? You, you know, the when we say that, like, whatever, like a match is headline-worthy, um, it's funny the way that Gabby Jesus is the one who scores the last goal against the Red Bulls. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that was just... I think it, it kind of just completed the performance, where, whereas we might we mightn't necessarily say one team had like an absolute edge. I still feel like Arsenal played the better football for the bit that I did watch of that match. United just seemed tame. Yeah, United like United were really tame. Like they but they did threaten um on the counter attack, you know, and they did have moments in the first half where they kept a lot of the ball. You know, at the time when I was watching, obviously, you know, watching as a fan, you're emotional. I was wondering why Arsenal not pressing, but it clearly seemed like it was a plan to allow United to have the ball in kind of like those defensive areas because they didn't really have any players who would just progress the ball and really play that incisive pass. Like um, Rashford's goal came off a Havertz mistake mm-hmm. and a counter-attack. Garnacho's goal came off, I think, Jesus or... I can't remember if it was Jesus or Saliba. I think it was Jesus losing the ball and then counter-attack Garnacho goal. Outside of that... You know, United didn't create too much. Like, you know, in terms, and then like we were, it was that before the Garnacho goal was kind of a stalemate. The game was kind of like wasn't really. It was a bit of five minutes where it was much wasn't really happening. Saka had missed a guilt edge opportunity about ten minutes before, but then after the Garnacho goal, like United kind of like tried to score a minute or two after, but then we just rained down on the United goal. You know, corner after corner, and eventually, you know, we got the winning goals. You know, in terms of in terms of top quality performances, you know, I don't want to go with the obvious one, but Declan Rice was outstanding. You know, besides the goal, what he does defensively for the team, you know, and then even with his progressive passing as well, you know, which is improving, which was obviously a um, a weakness which a lot of people had looked at in this game. But then I also want to highlight highlight sorry. Um, Andre Onana for United. You know, I said that that could be a really good transfer for United. And, you know, even though United lost, the way he just raises, <clears throat> the way he just raises the um, the floor, you know, the technical floor of the United team, because I was watching that game here, yeah, even though they were having that passing that I didn't really buy, like they weren't really doing anything. The fact that they were able to even keep the ball comfortably without being pressed, you know, it's just a testament to how comfortable Onana is on the ball. He'd be yeah. dribbling out, you know, and you can't even go press him like that really hard because 
he's actually comfortable with the ball. And you could just see, you know, the real step up in level from Onana to, sorry, from De Gea to Onana. Yeah, just, you know? just uh, again, goes to show that goalkeepers have to be good with their feet now mm. before they, they didn't necessarily need to be. But now it's kind of necessary for a team to kind of elevate, as you said, um, and go from, um, you know, just raising that floor. Um, I mean, if we're talking about other kind of good performances, we had a few um, outstanding individual performances in different games this week. Three hat-tricks, three, three strikers, three hat-tricks. Uh, you got Haaland, Ferguson. I mean, Son is a winger, but meh, like inside forward, whatever you want to call him. We, we, point, we could call him a striker. <laughs> at this point, I, I think until they feel the hurricane hole, he's not really. Yeah. Gonna, he's not going to get to play the way the way he wants to, or the way he used to, mm. until until they feel, feel that um, kind of void. But very solid performance from Spurs, though. Yeah, I would like. I mean, that was top. James Madison, I got him in my fantasy team this week. You know, he's he's really doing something. You know, Arsenal fans will remember the debate between Odegaard and Madison. And honestly, it did for a time it looked like Odegaard had won. But right now, even though Odegaard is top quality, I wouldn't trade Odegaard for anything. I would love to have them both. Madison's really a top quality player. Yeah. You know. Settling quite well in, in his role at, at Spurs as well. Um just want to touch on Evan Ferguson. I mean, that's you know, hat trick at eighteen. You know, I seen the stats afterwards. I think it's only like four other players that scored a hat trick yeah. at eighteen. I think it's Michael Owen, um, Robbie Fowler, and one, a couple other players. One, one other guy. Yeah, mind you, Michael Owen scored three, three hat tricks before three nineteen in the space of like six months or bro, eight months before bro, nineteen. Bro, one one day, yeah, like one day we're actually gonna talk properly about Michael Owen. Matt, that guy was a phenom, man. That like he was, not, he not was ridiculous. Like he, like that. Oh man, to, to be doing the stuff he was doing at 17, 18, 19. I think he had two golden boots by age nineteen, bro. It's not normal. Not, Teenager is not normal. Not normal at all. But coming back to Evan Ferguson, you know, right now he's probably the great hope of Irish football. You know, he's honestly, you know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, the hype a bit too much, but no, like this is a serious baller. You know, he's got a little bit of the old-fashioned nine in him. Tall, strong, can hold the ball up. But then he's technically sound. He's a wonderful finisher, can link up play. Like, bro, Ireland have got to do the best they can to really surround him, you know, with top-quality talent, you know. And maybe this decade can be the year that Ireland can finally get back to, you know, being more competitive, you know, qualifying yeah. and being more competitive at major tournaments. Yeah. Um, just uh, again, praise for for Evan for the way he kind of took his took his goals because it was a thing where, um, like the first goal was almost Haaland esque where you're not doing anything other than being in the right position because it just came off a shot and a very good save from the keeper but he was right there the ball fell right in front of him and he just had to tap it in literally yeah but that that is a talent in itself yeah as much as much as. You know, us that don't have Haaland like to hit on it. It is a talent, you know, being in the right place at the right time because if it was easy, everyone would do it. Exactly. You know, so you, you got to give him his props there. His second goal was oh absolutely outstanding, man. When, when I was looking at the highlight, I was like, wait, I, I saw him turn around. I was like, there's, there's no way you're shooting from here. Beautiful finish, man. Beautiful finish. I think that's, is that not four goals already for him in the league this season? Actually, must be five. I think he had two already. You got, you got, he, I know he, he had like a... He, had, he scored one on the opening day. 
I remember. Yeah, he had, I think he had the, a three-minute cameo and he, he yeah. scored that goal. Yeah, so that is that not five for him already? Would that uh, would that not make him the top scorer? Top scorer in the league? Yeah. He, he, has, he has at least four. I'm trying to... Actually, let me just go to top scorers rather than looking at it here. Stats, top scorers... Um, Ferguson is on four. Oh, yeah. Ferguson has four. So Haaland is six. Ferguson and Brian Buemo is are both on four. That's that's one that's going under the radar. Haaland. Yeah. Well, um, no, he's yeah, so second. Second top at 18. Man, he's really, you know, Ireland got to do their absolute best to get real talent around this boy, man, because he, he could lead Ireland, you know, the next generation of Irish football. Yeah. Any other noticeable kind of... I think teams just kind of... The teams that... One kind of brushed the teams that they played against. There was no kind of close matches other than maybe that Palace match. I didn't get to watch it though. Um, I mean Palace, you know, Palace are looking decent this season. You know, Eze, you know, Eze is a player that um Eze is a player that I've taken a liking to for a long time. I have to give credit to my boy Salako. You know, he's the one that put me on like twenty twenty when he was still playing for um QPR. Uh, man, he's a top quality player. You know, he had an unlucky injury in um, 2021 and it came out like a few months after that he was going to be in the provisional England squad for the Euros that summer. So, you know, really unlucky, but he's come back now wearing the Crystal Palace number 10. I think he had, he had definitely had at least double digits in goal contributions last, yeah, season. last season. You know, the top quality player leading the, leading the line and then two goals for Hudson Edward as well. You know, really top quality you know, and then, um, and then as well, um, obviously, you know, talking about Haaland, you know, there's not really much to say. Another hat trick, you know, another good performance um, from City as a team. Um, what I will say though, that there was a talking point on um, Man City's second goal, mm-hmm. Nathan Ake. Yeah. Um, I did think that that was um, impeding the goalkeeper. You know, of course, Man City did end up winning 5-1, so you can say, you know, it wouldn't you know, have minute, but, but, but it momentum, is momentum is very important in football. Yeah. You know, imagine if Fulham getting into getting at halftime one one. You know, that could have made a difference. It, it definitely would have made a difference. I think these days VAR is kind of it's either this way or that way. It can work for you or against you, and sometimes it's just random the way that they kind of use it because. Anybody who's looking at the screen is literally seeing. I can't remember who it was that was standing in front of him. Um, yeah, I think it was a kanji offside. Like, yeah, kanji he's, was offside. Obviously, he's offside. But yeah. The the argument is is he impeding the goalkeeper's, the goalkeeper's line of vision? Of line of vision. In my opinion, he's not impeding goalkeeper's direct line of vision, but he's impeding his decision making. Ake is shooting across a kanji, and the keeper is kind of having to go across a kanji to to make that save. So he can't see as as well as he was. The shot. Yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't a shot. It was a header. It's a header. But you, but you know what it was, yeah? It's not even... The main thing is that if you watch it in slow motion, yeah, Leno doesn't really dive. Because if you watch a shot in real time, yeah, like when I watched it, I was like, oh, Leno surely got this. But then it just it just bounced in. Mm-hmm. And like, if you look at it in slow motion, you can see that Leno's kind of like hesitating like he, before he dives. And then now once the ball gets past the kanji... He then dives because he so can now see it. He's now he can now see the ball, mm. you know. So, but that I mean that's a that's a conversation for another day. City did win five one, so Fulham can't have all that many complaints, yeah. you know. But yeah, I mean, you know, top some good quality football from the weekend. 
Oh yeah, uh, one more thing. Um, Anthony Alanga and Taiwo Awuni. I've I I won't lie as a Nigerian. That was a very poor pronunciation. But I'll just I'll just call I'll just call my man Taiwo. You know, uh, Taiwo and Alanga up front for um for Nottingham Forest. That is a lovely little combination there. You know, uh, Taiwo playing the um the pass into Alanga for his goal at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. You know, and then you know even moving on to the amount of strikers that Nigeria are producing. One day we'll produce a defender, man. <laughs> one, 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 one day, one day. You know, four. I, I just seen the our, our squad today, man. Four midfielders and like eight mm. forwards. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's one of them as as a black like a young black man. You don't want to defend like you want to score goals. That's that's been me. Like that, that, that's even us going abroad, bro. Imagine the brothers back home. <laughs> do, you, do you think anyone's playing defense at home? You're like, watching you're watching Messi and Ronaldo on the TV. Obviously, you want to score yeah. goals and be like them. You don't care about um the who's even a noticeable defender that has been maybe for Nigeria. I mean Yobo. Um, I think there's this there's this guy back in like the nineties. I think he played for Chelsea. Uh, Baba Yoro, I think Celestine. I can't remember, but. You know, like even in Nigeria, like it's midfielders and defenders, midfielders and um, attackers that we've, you know, usually had Hero. good, good talent yeah. of. But even, even midfielders, like defensive midfielders, oh. you know, and DD is not really, you know, he's not the level that he was at three or four years ago. He's not really at those levels anymore, you know. But you know, hopefully, hopefully Nigeria can produce some talent in positions other than strikers because we're too many strikers. We can't play all these strikers on the pitch. Got Osimhen, Taiwo, Gift Orban, um, what's the name? Boniface, Victor Boniface. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've got so many forwards. This is not this is not even talking about the wingers like Chukwese, Moses Simon. You know, like you know, too many forwards, man. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean that is that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. But you know, I think we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, thank you guys for the support on our first three episodes. Um, it's much appreciated. Uh, we'd love you if you guys can keep supporting, keep um, keep listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, um, support on all our all our channels. We got um, you know the Spotify, the Apple Podcast, the YouTube as well. Whatever um, whatever platform you need, you know it's all on our link tree. Yeah, yeah, and follow us on Instagram as well. That's at Good morning football podcast um yeah so thanks once again for joining us for another episode and we will see you all next week all right take care guys